And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Time to talk all about money and who better than the bloke that has all of it, Luke Smith from Envision Financial. <laughs> Don't tell my wife that. And let me know where it is while you're there, would you? <laughs> Don't tell your wife. That reminds me, there was a story a week or so ago about a bloke in China who won the lottery. Now, China, it's a communist country, but apparently they've got a lotto too. The prize was 30 million US dollars, so close to 50 million Aussie dollars, I would imagine. Love it. He, he, when he was photographed accepting the cheque, he wore a costume, a, um, a mascot costume, so that you couldn't see his identity. And his right. reason? Clever, clever. He didn't want his family to know that he had the money because he was, he was afraid his wife and kids would become lazy and not work as hard. I actually, I saw the article, I read the article, it was very clever, well played. <laughs> Well now, I've played. long advised people that if they ever do win the lotto, don't tell anyone. Hmm. But generally, you would share it with your family. You would. Well, <laughs> well, as looking at last week's show, we talked about get people around you. Mm. He's not someone you want around you. <laughs> <laughs> he's not on the list. No, he's, he's a little bit selfish in that case, mm. isn't he? Never mind. Now, before we get on to today's topic, there's something yeah. else that has been a bit of a bee in my bonnet lately. Yep. And so I thought yesterday I would go to the, the source, the horse's mouth, and mm-hmm. we invited a representative of the Australian Tax Office to come on the program and mm-hmm. explain why it's necessary for people to get a brand new company director identification number if they are a director of a company or of a charitable organisation or even mm-hmm. of their own self-managed mm-hmm. superannuation yep. fund yep. when the government already knows all this information mm-hmm. anyway. And, and what was their their galactically bonkers idea? Well, apparently there are millions and millions and millions of people who are actually company directors and yep. some of them may have actually given the government false names. Right, so the rest As, of the country had so, to suffer. So they want to try and stop fraud... Oh. And, you know, illegal activity like yeah. company phoenixing and, and that yep, sort of thing. Yep, fair enough. But all yep. of the online commentary I've seen on social media from people is that why should I be asked to jump through all these hoops, mm. s- fill out all these forms, mm. providing information to the government that they already have? Yeah. And even after spending eight minutes chatting with the bloke from the ATO mm. yesterday, I'm really none the wiser. Oh, and you could have not, like, you couldn't have done it in a dumber, more confusing manner that was absolutely bamboozling. And and what I mean by that is they called it a MyGov ID, right? Well, okay, so right. so you've got to go to this uh, you go to the you go to the ATO website, and then that directs you to another website, the uh-huh. RM something, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then to give them your information, you actually have to go to your MyGov, but it's not your regular MyGov. You've got to set up a separate MyGov. I'm sorry, my head's exploding. And and, and as someone who's written off weeks and weeks of time helping clients demystify the lunacy mm. um they they must have sat down and, and look i can understand the need for it yeah after all you said about I'm sure there's theft a and twisting better and, way of going correct. about this correct. So, because if i'm talking to the ato they already know my full name correct everything right they've got they, everything. they know my date they've of birth yeah. my place of birth yeah, my current it. place of residence mm-hmm. they know my australian mm-hmm. tax file number yeah. they know my company details including yeah. the name of the yeah. company everything. They've got the it. australian company number the yeah. company's yep. tax file number the yeah. registered place of business of yeah. my company when it was registered mm-hmm. uh, in fact i think they know my parents uh, dates of birth and oh, names and say, everything as they, well they would have everything there but you could they know not. my phone number they know my email address exactly. they probably know it. what i had for breakfast yeah. today Day. True, but you could not have sat down 
and done it in a more confusing manner. Mm. And as you said, labelled things so horribly mm. that you've got a MyGov ID. Clients ring up, I've got MyGov. No, no, not that something. Not that, but this one. Yeah. This one, but not that one. I go on that one to get this one. Yeah. You, you couldn't have, honestly, you, you couldn't have done it in a more time-consuming, yeah. frustrating way that has baffled 99.9% of people from exactly. just about any age. Now, a lot of people might say, well, it doesn't affect me. I'm not a company or director. But you might be surprised. If you have a self-managed super fund, you might actually be in a situation yeah, where, where you've you got do a corporate need- trustee. Exactly. Yeah, or family trust, yeah. trading company. There, yeah. There's a raft of things that got caught up in it. But and again, we- no one, no one. whilst I understand the, the, the frustration of you've got a lot of this already, the, the true skull-breaking frustration for 90% of clients was actually just trying to demystify the steps required because of the horrible labelling and structure of the process. Mm. You could have called it anything else and it would have been better. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. But the important message is this. There's a deadline. That deadline Mm. is November 30. Mm. So if you don't do it by Mm. then, you are breaking the law. I think there's a million dollar fine on the line too, I think, just for Uh, giggles. uh, No, it's it's $14,000. Oh, right. (laughs) Sorry, I'd read on a a government site there was potentially a million dollar fine. Uh, That might apply to some of the other illegal activity. Right. But yes, if you you don't have a uh, company director identification number after the deadline, uh, you could well be fined. Hmm. Uh, I'd just love to know who I can send a bill to for the week or more of time we mm-hmm. lost helping people just get to the bottom of it for fear of getting a fine. Okay, so if uh, you run the family business through a company structure, yes, it does apply mm. to you. If you've got a self-managed super fund, yes, it probably applies to you. With a corporate trustee. With the corporate, yep. yep. So there's a few different scenarios. Mm. Or even if you're involved in running a registered tra- yep. uh, charity, you might be yep. one of the directors of that charity. Yep. So are and there- the other big point here, sorry to interrupt you, but the other big point here is it's per person. Yeah. See, the other big confusion was husband and wife went, oh, my husband's got it. Mm. And you might be both directors of that corporate trustee. Yeah. And he or she on either side didn't do it or didn't know they had to do it because one of them had done it because yeah. they thought it was to do with the company itself. It's actually the individual directors. Yes. And it was a, therefore it's a per person thing, which – Again, caused a lot of confusion. Yeah, so the clock is ticking Mm. and you have 19 days left. Yes, and the system, again, my experience is in the office with my girls who, you know, hats down, did a fantastic job. Um, One, staying patient Mm. um, because I've had some clients have to come in with multiple certified documents to prove a misspelling on a birth certificate or a translation from overseas Mm. where citizenship forms may have not been, you know, a raft of things you could have... Never even foreseen, um, made everything just that little bit extra difficult. A little bit. Hey, you know, we're yeah. dealing with the government. Well, say no more. It's always say more, no more. more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. Today's topic is gearing, and we're mm. not we're not talking about shifting from first gear into top gear, well, unless we're using metaphors, which you frequently do, because this is yeah. a bit amusing. You talk about your investment choices being like driving different types of car. Well, gearing mm. is the same thing. You can use the gears in your car to go yeah. faster. You can also use gearing in the investment sense to increase your returns or, if things go wrong, your losses. Yeah, look, exactly right. And I think that's a, you know, to extend that, that car analogy, this is, this is a great way of saying I'm driving 100 in a 100-kilometre zone 
and if you were to undertake a gearing strategy, you're going to borrow money. So we use the word gearing, leverage, interchangeable here. You might pull money out against your house and secure it against your family home and then put that into a portfolio of shares. Or you may use something called a margin loan where the loan is secured by existing investments. Now, the benefit of using your home as security is they generally are a lot less volatile than the share market. Yeah. So you've got greater security and less volatility. You can use an existing portfolio of shares as security for a margin loan, but that can be more volatile and potentially maintain a, a higher level of risk in the structure because the value of shares can go up and down. If the level of debt becomes too much in the margin loan environment, that's called a margin call. And that could be where you're forced to put more money into the facility to try and adjust or realign the levels of debt against the total value of the portfolio. So they're the two sort of key ways that you can do it. You generally borrow to try and get access to assets that you don't have the free cash to buy. So here's an example. I have a $100,000 portfolio and I really believe in A, B and C shares going forwards. I could take $50,000 out of my home loan, for example, and go and buy those shares. Now, the benefit of doing that is that you've borrowed some money to get access to capital to increase your portfolio, so you can potentially benefit from an increase in value. You can also suffer from increased losses. So people need to keep in mind that the the knife cuts both ways. Yeah. Um, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. Mm. But the other big benefit of borrowing to invest is that the interest incurred on your borrowings yes. is generally tax deductible. Absolutely. Now, keeping in mind that if you buy shares that generate dividends, those dividends could be used to meet the interest cost or there may be a slightly negative cash flow position where you have 10000 of interest, $6,000 of dividends, and then you make up that $4,000 shortfall in exactly the same way as you would with a rental property. Yes. The rent doesn't cover the interest. You Mm -hmm. kick in the difference. Those same principles apply to borrowing for investments and equities and and, and various shares. So so gearing is basically just increasing your purchasing power by using borrowed money. You might have, for example, $20,000 in savings. You think, I want to buy some shares. Now, you can buy $20,000 worth of shares. Mm. And if those shares double in value, you've made another $20,000. Yep. But if you want to gear it, you can borrow an extra $80,000 yep. using your own $20,000. You've got a $100,000 investment. Mm-hmm. If those shares double in value, all of a sudden, you've got $200,000 worth of shares and you've used only $20,000 of your own money. Correct. And, and that's where the quality of what you buy and the quality of the portfolio that you have will impact the amount of borrowing that you can undertake. And that's known as the LVR or the loan to value ratio. Yeah. How much is mine? How much am I going to borrow? And what is that percentage of debt across my total asset base? And when it comes to the margin loan facility, where you're not using a house, there will be specific levels or limits on the amount of money you can borrow yes. on a per stock basis. Yes. Um, so that is, is, is very different to I'll take that 100000 out of my house because that's secured by my primary home yes. or potentially another investment asset 
and then you put that money into listed shares to maintain that leverage, as you said. Yeah, that's quite a key point, isn't it? Because if you're borrowing money against the asset that you're purchasing, mm. then and we're talking about shares here, then mm. there are there are limits that come into play. Correct. Whereas if you're yeah. taking money out from your home loan, the security is your house. Correct. And the assets that you're buying, the shares that you're buying, yeah. it's irrelevant. That's right. And, and that's why borrowing against your home, generally for me, is always my preference because you don't see the level of volatility in home prices like you can on a daily basis in equity markets. Indeed. And obviously, you can generally get a a better interest rate on your home loan than you can on a margin loan to buy shares. The problem with taking out a margin loan to buy shares, of course, if if the value of the shares falls Mm. and then you no longer comply with that LVR that you were talking about, the bank can say, hey, we want our money back, and it might not be a convenient time to sell those shares. Well, that's right. And, and, And as part of that margin call, they might turn around and say, listen, we need you to put an additional... $40,000 into this facility as cash to try and bring that loan-to-value ratio back to an agreed level. So there is a lot more risk associated with the margin lending side of borrowing, and that's why I've always been pro securing it against the property because there are less variables, um, and you don't want to be doing these things if it's not for the medium to longer term. One. Two, you have surplus cash that you can get hold of just in case. Three, you have very strong cash flow, so you can accumulate and build up a buffer through your savings if you need. And four, you don't want to be borrowing significant amounts or pushing that loan-to-value ratio really high out of the gates, especially during specific times in a market where assets could come under significant pressure, which is a great example of what we've seen this calendar year. Oh, yeah, we've seen plenty of volatility. And and just very quickly, when we talk about real estate investments, we talk about negative gearing and positive gearings. Mm. And that's only, that's very simple. That's just, it's negative gearing if the income is not enough to cover the cost of the yep. interest on the loan. Correct. Positive gearing is the other way around. Correct. When you're making yep. actually positive cash flow because yep. the income is bigger than yes. the repayments on the Spot loan. On. Yep. You can, I guess, do something similar with your shares. Yeah, look, exactly. And again, it comes down to, if you're going to do this sort of stuff, buy good quality assets. Because if you want to buy diamond mines in Uganda, they generally may be a little bit more volatile than CBA. (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah. So again, it comes down to the quality of what you buy and then trying to control the level of risk that you can handle. Because if, if you go too hard, too quick with this, you can get caught and it can be very expensive to sell things down. And you may not have access to capital that you can throw into the facility and it, it can start to eat itself and get very ugly. So people need to have a very strong risk profile and risk tolerance to undertake this sort of stuff. Now, you could also argue the other side to say, well, if I took $100,000 and I bought four banks, how dangerous can it be? Anything can have volatility, anything can be good and anything can be bad yeah. in any situation depending on the news and the market. You know, look at today. Markets have gone bonkers because inflation wasn't as bad as in, as expected, yeah. but it still wasn't good. You know, so that that's a great example of how and n- news flow can how, how fickle markets are. Exactly, and yeah. one day's market movement doesn't necessarily indicate a trend. Today we're talking about gearing and what it can do for your portfolio. So, Luke, what are the key things to remember about gearing? Yeah, so if I had a list, it would include, you know, buy strong securities, buy good quality assets or you'll increase the risk on something that's already risky. Don't max out your gearing levels. Start slow and build it up. Don't go boots and all straight away um, because markets are very volatile at the moment. 
consider the type of security that you use. Am I going to use my house? Am I going to use a margin loan? Use something that is appropriate for your situation. Make sure you have very strong cash flow and you can save. I'd also recommend keeping a buffer to the side just in case so that you don't have to sell down assets, as you mentioned before the ad break, under duress because that can be a very expensive way of diluting your portfolio and having some cash on the side is very, very good. Think long-term and go into it knowing that you have to be comfortable that you will leverage the upside and the downside. Nothing in the world is risk-free. Um, so you need to go into this with an appropriate time frame, an appropriate risk profile, which would be on the more aggressive end of the scale, um, and make sure that, that you sort of take all of these key points into consideration because it's not something that you do that is a, of a short-term nature. So making sure that you have all of those sort of key areas covered will give you the greatest potential to take advantage of future weakness and leverage out of it um, or to just systematically and, and, and slowly build up a portfolio with savings and borrowings and savings and borrowings. Yeah. Um, but at least consistency here's the key. Yeah. And the two key benefits of gearing, number one, it increases your profits if you make a profit. Correct. Although yeah. the downside to that is it also increases your losses if you make a loss. Yeah. The other key benefit is that the interest costs, generally speaking, are tax deductible. Spot on. And the other thing I'd be doing at the moment is working on 1% to 2% extra when you come to working out the interest cost on your borrowing because we're going to continue to see rates rise and until they sort of flatten out it would make a lot of sense to err on the side of caution and say well at the moment i can take money out of my house at 4.8 but does it stack up at 5.8 and if you've built in that buffer when rates do continue to rise you're not getting to a point that can again put your portfolio or your strategy under duress and you can hold it for the longer term because those things are still going to continue to change and we haven't seen the the, the top of that interest rate cycle yet. No, no, that's uh, quite true. We're likely to see uh, at least one or two more interest Mm. rate increases. Uh, The slightly better than expected news on inflation out of the United States overnight has prompted a share market rally today, but there's Mm. no guarantee that's going to last. Mm. Uh, It's still early days on that front. We don't know if inflation is under control yet or not, so we still need to be cautious. Yeah, that that, that road's got a a long way to run. Indeed. So, Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, so 62604749 is the office number. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au on the internet. We've got the podcast the strategy stacker luke talks money on itunes and spotify we've got um the youtube channel envision financial canberra where we've got all of the shows and the key takeouts before and after the ad break we've got youtube shorts we've got tiktok the handle there is the strategy stacker and uh, we've got the book coming out smart money strategy your ultimate guide to financial planning which will be in uh, bookstores and online in march so you've actually written a book huh we've written a book we've got the edit finished (laughs) and um yeah, it's it's yeah. Look, it's been a it's been a, a, a good body of work, and I'm I'm looking forward to Luke Smith bringing author. it out. Author, yeah. yeah. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? That's right. <laughs> well done. Thanks very much for coming in today. No worries. We'll see you next week. We'll catch you again next Friday afternoon at the same time. When once again, Luke Smith from Envision Financial will join us in the studio at the same time next Friday afternoon to talk money all over again.